Thank you for joining the Broadway Drumming 101 podcast with your host, Clayton Craddock. This is part two of my interview with Dennis Arcano. Stay tuned. If you like what you hear on the show, subscribe to the Broadway Drumming 101 newsletter at broadwaydrumming101.substack.com. That's substack, S-U-B-S-T-A-C-K.com. The Broadway Drumming 101 newsletter is your one-stop shop for everything you'll need to know about playing drums for Broadway musicals. When you subscribe to the newsletter, you'll learn about what it takes to be a successful pit musician with content delivered directly to your email inbox two to three times a week. For $5 a month or $50 a year, you'll have a backstage pass to the world of a Broadway drummer playing on a hit show. As a paying subscriber, you'll receive behind-the-scenes access to the life of a musician who makes a living on Broadway. You'll also be able to read every post, not just those occasional free ones. You'll get access to all newsletter issues in the archives and have an ability to participate in subscriber-only comments and events. If you become a founding member for a gift of only $75, you'll receive discounted private drum lessons, an opportunity to watch Clayton play in the pit of his show, and a 25% discount on future promotional products. If you'd like to make a direct contribution to the production of this show, you can reach us at Venmo at Clayton-Craddock, Cash App at Syncopated, that's C-I-N-C-O-P-A-T-E-D, or PayPal at Clayton Craddock. Any amount of support will be appreciated. Thank you for listening. Since you've been on the other side of the podium, what is it that you look for in a drummer for a show? Oh, so if I'm conducting the show. So if I'm conducting the show, I think it's the two things I always consider for myself as a drummer too. I want to, I want the drummer to be uh, with my tempos. Now, especially for me, for example, the, the, the work that I've done as a conductor or a pianist, I've also done some, some books like a um, high school musical or, or uh, whatever, where I've played piano, guitar and conducted. So playing like a piano, guitar, guitar book and conduct. What I'm looking for is go take, take my tempos, not what you heard on the recording. So this is different than what you guys, you know, when you guys are originating shows and then someone has to come in and sub, that's a different thing. I'm talking about, like, I've done shows where, you know, the shows have existed for years. We're doing it at a high school. We're doing it at a, you know, college, a community theater, whatever. But we're all going to be playing those gigs at some point in our career. And yeah, as a conductor, as a drummer myself, I want to know that I'm not going to be fighting you <laughs> for what, because I'm the one that's been here for four weeks rehearsing the cast. I'm the one that's been here for, you know, four weeks, making sure the director is happy, that the dancers have the tempo that they want. I'm sitting there with my, you know, metronome and writing in the BPM. And yeah, that might not be what you heard on the original Broadway cast recording and what you've been used to or what you want to make it, you know. So I need you to be with me tempo wise. And then I guess I also want to make sure, depending on the setting that we're playing in, you need to be a dynamic drummer. And Damien is the greatest example. Damien um, Bassman, I, I keep saying his name like everybody knows, but I think everyone does know him. <laughs> uh, he's the greatest example of somebody who I learned a lot, so much subbing Jagged Little Pill for him, 
like how to hit with like how to how to hit but without breaking people's ears but somehow it just sounds so huge and solid and yeah. so I, like i had to sit there studying those you know drum cam vids i took of him to study the book and be like how is he approach you know and then so I, i'd look for the same thing for a drummer that i want you to play dynamically appropriate for the space that we are in like yes i know we're doing tommy but we're doing tommy in a 100 seat you know cube you know like theater where the band is sitting one foot from the first row of the audience member so unfortunately you can't play it like luther did on the original recording you got to play it with that same energy but you know and i personally i i want the drummer to know how to do it with a pair of sticks dynamically not with v drums or hot rods to like compensate i want the sound of sticks on drums but you know with the dynamics that are appropriate for the space you're in damn you asking a lot there i i know i'm <laughs> you know only because i've been asked to do it myself now i know that after 2009 you did more stuff on or on broadway or tell me your path Well, that's not quite true. Okay. <laughs> so, now for someone this is going to maybe be shocking to some people like how could you have, you know, gotten to that level, you know, and not tried to pursue it more and for me, maybe it's just because I had so much going on or whatever it was and you know, there were a few experiences that, you know, stressed me out for just for my own personal, like you know, like where I was just like Listen, I know you guys are asking for what you need and you have every right to this is your show, you know, whether it's the director, the jump, whatever. It it got a little stressful for me. And so I kind of like gave myself a, a self-imposed hiatus from that from the Broadway scene. That's when I went it was in 2008. I think it was right after Alter Boys and 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 Spelling Bees were were wait, sort of wait. winding down. Was it because I didn't have you <laughs> on Memphis? Is it, is it my fault? Did I discourage you? <laughs> I hope I wasn't the reason why you didn't no, get no. to the next level. Or no, no, uh, that, that's pursuing. not what I was referring to. <laughs> Did I discourage no, no, you? I'm I, so you know, sorry. No, it, to it totally wasn't. I, I had, you know, I had some, I had some interesting experiences with some, some, uh, some of the drummers that I was trying to. Again, I don't, I don't want to get into it. But it was just for me personally. I, it was definitely not you. <laughs> but it was for me personally. I was like, oh, you know what? I think, I think I've done this, and, I, and you know. I wasn't doing the Broadway thing full time like you guys, but I was doing the theater thing full time. Whether it was Broadway, regional touring, high school things, you know, ringer gigs, whatever. Plus having a full teaching, you know. So, so I came to a point right around 2008 where I said, you know, I, I have to do my masters if I want to keep my teaching certificate. And it's been almost 10 years, and I, you know, I got, I have to have a masters to keep teaching. So I don't want to let that go. Let, let, one passion I never really followed through on was my passion for you know recording and writing music. You know, that was a whole other side of it. You know, back in high school, like I said, I took every music class you can, and the one that was the most fun was now again that we're talking mid '90s. I graduated high school '94, so early '90s even. You know, we had a, we had an electronic music class, which was basically like a four track tape player where we learned how to like you know record a drum and then add the this. You know, or back in the days when we used to do it with my with my bands. You know, we would have a tape player and we record the drums and then we'd play that tape player out into another tape player and sing the vocals over it that's how we multitrack you know the the gorilla way the ghetto way but um i'd always had that passion and so i was like well you know i went so full in on music and this is this this is where it it ends up a good 
it, there's a happy ending, I guess, is that when I took that break and went back and did something different. So I went back and did this studio composition masters at, at, at um, SUNY Purchase. It kind of reignited my passion for pop music again and writing and, and hard rock and all these things that, you know, that theater is always like Warren, Warren Oates said it great, where it's like, you know, this is always going to be musical theater. It's going to sound like musical theater. Even if we're doing Tommy, the Tommy version of, of musical theater doesn't sound like the Who's version of Tommy, you know, like for better or worse. I'm not, it's just, it is what it is. So going back for me, it was like, okay, now I have, I, I can pursue this other passion for a while. And I got into work, independent artists, making a few, you know, uh, independent records and recordings for people, um, <clears throat> playing some more myself, just like I did learning, get, honing my guitar, bass, keyboard skills, doing some more singing writing my own music. I, I started writing my own musical called American Requiem that I did a little like, you know, workshop thing just locally for, you know, so n nothing that I was ever looking to be a, a true career path change, but it was just, it was a good break from that. And then I would say somewhere between, you know, I finished that program in 2010 and we're in 2021. So sometime between now and or 2010, 2018, it was like a little eight year, you know, I kind of went like, okay, let me see if I can start finding my way back to the theater thing. And, and maybe I, you know, maybe I let too much time go by and people aren't going to, you know, they're not going to, there's a hundred other guys that are coming up, you know, whatever. And lo and behold, I, I live um, about 20 minutes from Ridgefield, Connecticut. And the Ridgefield Playhouse uh, is a venue that's been there for, for years and years. They do they have so many great acts have come through there. Uh, I played, I played, I've played there many times. I've played with Mario Cantone there. I did his uh, laugh horror show with him when it came touring um, I played with Bernie Williams there, the, the, the Yankees, uh, you know, who's also guitarist. I did a couple of gigs with him there, <clears throat> but I went and saw a performance. I don't know why I keep coming back to Tommy, <laughs> but I saw a performance of Tommy that was being done by this group of theater performers who lived in Ridgefield and were going to start their own equity theater. And they were doing some like one, one off one night, you know, things at first. Um, and it was, uh, an actor director named Daniel Levine, um, an actress producer named Katie Diamond and a music uh, director named Brian Perry. And the three of them all live in Ridgefield and Ridgefield is oddly this like hub of like, like Steven Schwartz composer lives there. Alan Menken is somewhere in the area, not at Ridgefield exactly. Debbie Gravitt, Tony award winning actress in Ridgefield. And I've you know, worked with all of them over the years in some way, shape or form. It's just, it's very strange. So it kind of seemed like they wanted to bring live theater to this area. And I watched that, um, and I can never pronounce his name correctly. Joe, who's the drummer on Avenue Q. Horshevsky. Horshevsky. There you go. See, I was going to mess it up. He was playing drums for Brian on that production of Tommy. Uh, Brian was conducting it. And I just went like, whoa, these people are doing like the kind of theater I want to be doing locally without having to go into the city and worry about my, you know? So I looked up Brian and again, going back to who you never know, who knows who at the time, he was also the conductor of wicked on Broadway. Uh, and he had been conducting it for about five years. And so ding, ding, ding in my head, I go, well, then he knows Stephen Oremus and Stephen and I go back 20 years. So God, I'm Hey, Stephen, let Brian Perry know guy dennis in his area that would love to work for his theater and yada 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 steven came through for me and texted brian brian and i got together and had a, had a lunch hit it off right from the minute and he was basically like 
well, listen, I don't really know any musicians in this area. So you can be my house drummer. You can be my contractor and hire the bands and you can be my keyboard synth drum programmer. Since you mentioned those are all things that you do. And I was like, cool. Uh, so this was 2017 when I first met them. And then in the uh, summer of 2018, we opened a contemporary theater of Connecticut or ACT of CT as we go by now. Uh, and I've been their resident uh, house drummer, programmer, contractor since then. And that was sort of my gateway back into doing the professional theater thing again. And then that's what led back to finally now being back uh, subbing on a Broadway show because Brian Perry is the conductor on uh, Jagged Little Pill. And when that was in its out of town tryout out in, in Boston, wherever it was, he kept saying to me, Hey, listen, you know, you've, we love you at ACT. You're a great drummer. Do you know, do you know Damien? I'm like, yeah, I, I, you know, we're friends on Facebook. We've, we've crossed paths. I actually met Damien years ago. He, his sister, Nilly, I think her name is Nilly. Sorry, Damien, if I'm saying her name. Um, he, uh, she was in a production of St. Uh, Stephen Sondheim's Follies, oddly enough, that I played at Barrington stage. And Damien had been in the audience. He was coming to see his sister. And he reached out to me like, hey, man, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a drummer in the city. I just, I heard you playing, you know, stay in touch, you know, stay in touch. And I was like, oh my God, yeah, of course. And I did, a, I did like a, a rehearsal for Martha Plimpton for him one time. He was like stuck and needed something. So we never really crossed paths, you know, doing the theater thing. But um, <clears throat> Brian said, you know, well, you know, tell Damien that I said, I'd like you to, you know, try to sub on the show. And so again, not knowing the drummer personally, but having paid my dues, you know, for, for Brian, the conductor kind of led me back to being able to hopefully start this like second round of my <laughs> Broadway subbing career. So I'm looking, looking forward to, you know, things reopening again next month and get back to doing that. I'm actually going to be playing a few rehearsals for, for Damien and the reopening because he's got some schedule conflicts. So that'll be checking off a bucket list for me. I've never actually, you know, played a Broadway rehearsal like all you guys do, you know, starting off at the studio. So I'm looking forward to doing to that. But yeah, so I, you know, I just, I needed a little bit of a break from the, I've always been really good with handling pressure. I don't think that's a problem for me, but the pressure's there. We all know it's there. And sometimes when you don't, I was very fortunate that I didn't have to depend on this career being my full-time, you know, salary or whatever, you know, like, like, so I just was able to say, let me step back from it a little bit. And now it kind of reinvigorated me to want to get back to doing it again. So it's been nice to kind of have that, have that return. When you started to sub for Damien at Jack Little Pill, did you sub? I, I can't remember how long it was open before everything shut down. Did you get a lot of shows in? Yeah, so I, you know, I had just finished up. A, we were doing a production of Little Shop of Horrors here at, at ACT. I think it was October of 2019, and the Jack Little Pill was going into previews around in November of 2019. So I went in and as soon as I could, you know, he was already sending me, it was, it was interesting to be a part of a show before it officially opened. Cause all the other shows I've subbed, I, you know, it was after they opened, I was one of many other subs, you know, whatever it was, but it was cool. Cause I was getting, you know, PDFs as they were getting reorchestrated. It was like, you know, here, start, start learn, make sure you have these. So I had the whole book printed out in my hand before I even went and saw the show. So November of 2019 went in. Now this, this was an, an odd situation. This is something for people to know. You never know what your, um, auditing situation is going to be like, you know, subbing for Billy on spelling or um, follies. I was able to sit in the pit right behind him, watch the show, you know, whatever. Subbing for you on tick, tick, boom and altar boys, both being on, on stage band on very small stages. I remember having to sit in the house 
with my book and like a flashlight and the audience person sitting next to me must have been like, what is this person doing? Like watch the show and, you know, trying to learn the show that way. Uh, Spelling Bee, I was on stage band, but sort of under a loft. So I was able to sit with them. But for Jagged Little Pill, the band is on these two like rolling platforms, the whole show. And there's no room up there. And there's no room to like be anywhere where you can visibly see what's going on. So you have to audit the show down in the band's dressing room, down in the basement. They have an avion there for you. And they have a conductor cam and a, and a screen uh, stage cam. So I can see Brian conducting and I can see what's happening on stage. But I can't see Damien at all. So I had to set my little uh, GoPro camera on his ride cymbal. Uh, and I recorded a, a drum cam video on, of him so that I at least could have a reference of how he's doing everything. Um, so November through December, I think they opened December 3rd of 2019. And I got a call uh, over the like Christmas break from school. My mom happened to be in town from Wisconsin and he's like, Hey, can you play January 2nd for me? And I was sort of, you know, learning it, but I hadn't like really like, I wasn't you know ready, ready. So this was like, maybe like a, I had about a week and, I was, and you're not going to say no. So I'm like, yeah, of course, of course. And my poor mother who was here visiting me for the holidays had to listen to Jagged Little Pill being bashed around in this studio for like, cause I was just like, now I got to go into like, you know, performance mode. Um, but yeah, I ended up getting in there four times. I had four, four performances I played before the shutdown happened. So I was just starting to get comfortable with it. I had just been designated. So for those of you that don't know, if I'm trying to help our listeners out there. <laughs> so when you're a sub on Broadway, there's a process. And my mom actually asked me this. Well, she's like, well, who decides if whether you can you know, stay? Is it the drummer? I'm like, actually, it's, it's a conductor. So you're, you know, drummer preps you. You prep, you do your work. It is the craziest. I always say, I, I remember you saying that one of the one of your drummers said it's like a two and a half hour heart attack. I, I, I think subbing Broadway shows is like jumping on a moving train because you have something that's a well-oiled machine and now you're that one, <laughs> you're that one, and you're a pretty integral part. I mean, drummers are drummers, you know? Like yeah, it's, like, it's like jumping on that moving train, then you have to like, drive it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> No pressure. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> With but, passengers on board expecting to get to where they want to go, and they paid a lot of money. Right. <laughs> and unlike the understudies or anybody else who at least gets a, a, a piano rehearsal or mm-hmm. a run through, whatever, it's like you're the audience. Their paying customers are there, and hope you did your homework. Now for this one, <laughs> since since it was Brian, it was it was a weird experience. It was literally like, you know. Two minutes before curtain, Brian's not even there at the conductor. He just shows up. He's like, hey, Dennis, and, and we go. And I'm like, cool. <laughs> you know. And luckily for me, it went good. It went well. I had done my homework. But um, uh, So designation. designation De- yes, thank approval. you. Yes. So after that first date, if everything goes well, the, um, the conductor approves you. Approving means you're, you're, you did your homework. Maybe you had a flub or two. The nerves got you at your first show. As long as it wasn't a train wreck. You've been approved. You get a second chance. You can come back after you've done now. But as you're subbing, the rest of the band cannot be subbing out yet. You've got to be working with the, the at least most of the contracted musicians. You know, there's no other subs in the pit with you when you're playing your first shows. Um, and then once you've gone through uh, for this for Jagged Little Pill, it was that third or fourth performance where I became a designated sub, which now means that I'm designated. I can sub whenever. So if there's 10 other subs in the band, 
It could be their first times. They could also be designated sons, but I've at least gone through that process of making everyone feel comfortable. Like he knows the show. He's going to, he's, you know, he's solid. He's good to go. You've been approved. You've been designated. So luckily for me, I, you know, I've, I've already gone through that phase. I think that's the only reason why I'm able to help Damien out for some of the rehearsals um, is that, you know, I'd already, I know the show I've been working it back up in here, you know, over the past couple of weeks, trying to you know, get it back in shape. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's the process we go through to, to be able to have that job as a, a running gig. Do you have to do that in regional theater as far as designation and approving? And then how does that work? Because I've never done. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So the, for the regional theaters that I've worked for, it's been a mix of union and non-union gigs. So um, the union gigs will be a little bit stricter, obviously. Um, I've never experienced any kind of approval or designation with subbing. Um, but definitely if someone brings in a sub, like for example, sometimes a person, let's say we're doing a four week run, you know, it's a, it's a, not an open-ended, it's, it's a four week run. We're doing eight shows a week, five shows a week, whatever it is, you know, limited, limited amount of performances. And the person that's hired, you know, really wants to do it, but has this one conflict on the third Saturday night. All right, cool. We've got enough time for you to record the show, prep your sub, give them a copy of the book. It's that one day we cross our fingers. We hope that person sits in and, you know, if they can, again, a lot of these jobs are not paying enough for, you know, people to, you know, sit in and whatever. It's just, you would trust that they're, you know, professionals. Um, but if that sub is going to be there more than once, we, we usually do, you know, say, okay, listen, we're letting the, the, the contracted player know, like, okay, if this sub is not good, make sure you've got a second or a third ready for you because we don't want to have someone, you know, especially for a limited run, our audiences and our reviewers are only going to have so much time to see our show. We want to make sure that every performance is, is as best as it can be. So yeah, I've never, I've never really run into having a, an official process like that, but there's always those little unofficial things that, you know, being a contractor myself now, it's been, it's been interesting, you know, working with ACT. Now I'm part of those, you know, pre-production conversations and the conference calls. And I've never, you know, usually I was just a drummer for the shows. So it's been kind of nice to be like part of the, the business side of it and learn a whole nother, a whole nother realm of it. And that's one of those conversations we have is like, you know, if people are going to be subbing, whether it's the drum chair or, you know, the guitar chair, we just want to make sure that that person is prepared. And if they're not, we reserve that right to say, Hey, you got to find someone else because at the end of the day, this may just be a little side gig for you, but we're, we're trying to run a theater. We're trying to run a business. We want to keep, you know, we want to keep it open. Um, so we want to make sure we have the best people that we at, at all times. So, when people want to become a theater drummer, become a pit musician, what do you think they should always do uh, when it comes to either preparing for a show or just being getting into in, into theater in general? What do you what, what kind of advice would you give? Well, if if people are have been following this podcast, I think, and again, I, I've known a lot of the the drummers you've talked to. I've either worked with them, met them, sat in with them. I hope people are finding out that there's one thing that everybody has in common. And that is being humble about what you do and not being arrogant about your abilities. So you need to be confident. You're the drummer, right? The drummer, you're going to notice if the drummer is not prepared. You know, you have to be confident, but you can't walk in like, your you know what doesn't stick you know what i mean like you have to remember that you're just one piece of a many pieces moving puzzle that you know that you have to be able to be confident without being arrogant so i always tell people with with, with theater stuff you know if you want to be 
you know, whatever it is, showy drummer that's doing master classes on your specific way of putting then, you know, like, like a Dave Weckl or whatever else kind of, you know, this is not, this is not that scene. This scene is about coming in, doing your homework, whether, whether you're a sub or whether you're the, you know, I don't, I obviously can't speak from being a Broadway chair, but I can speak from being a regional chair. When it's, when it's my chair, I got to do my homework. I got to come in. I've got to communicate with the conductor. I've got to give, I've got to meet their needs first. And then if I create a good relationship, I can try some stuff and I can say, again, I'll, I'll go back to Avita, which you mentioned. I played that show at Candlewood when I was 20 years old and I have, I have like a, a board recording of that show and I listen back to it now and I'm like, whoa, like, you know, I sound like a 20 year old playing that show, but it was, we did it here at um, ACT back in 2019, uh, 18, one of our first shows. And to revisit that show 20 years later and coming at it with a, you know, 20 years experience and playing it again, it was like, okay, now I know how to be a better drummer because back then when I was 20, you know, I thought, yeah, I'm the 20 year old playing on the show. I know what I'm doing. And I, I wasn't arrogant in my attitude, but I might've been a little bit arrogant with what I was trying to play in the show, but now come back to, you know, to playing it now. Now I have a little bit more experience. I have a little bit better, you know, understanding of what I'm doing. And it's about now I have, I have the trust of the people I work with. Maybe I can try some things now. And if someone likes it, I'll put it in the ink and I'll play it every night. And if someone's like, yeah, no, that doesn't work. Then you have to be able to say, no, I'm going to try it a different way or just play what was originally there or, or what have you, depending on the situation you're in. So yeah. So always never, never try to come in and think that, you know, you're the most important person in the room. You know, drum, I think drummers sometimes I know myself. I'll sometimes, you know, I'm the drummer, man. I'm the drummer, you know, like, but you're the drummer in musical theater. Like there's, there's a caveat to that. It's not, you're the drummer. You're not, you know, I don't think I've ever seen a show where, you know, Tommy Lee was one of my, at least, you know, the, the, the floating drum booth that, you know, that's not going to happen in theater. <laughs> you know, you're not going to be the center of attention unless, for that and, long. Unless you're on Jersey don't Boys. It, don't say oh, that's true. I thought you were going to say, the unless they make Molly like... Crew the musical. <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, see? Yeah, I'm not going to say, I, I think I said this on one of the podcasts. I'm not going to reveal <laughs> any of my my thoughts about future shows. I said, you know, this should be a, uh, a 2112 musical. I'm going to put that out there. And I said that to an actual, uh, someone who works as a producer. And he's like, man, you know, I'm a big Rush fan. You know, that's a good idea. We should talk about that. But now, are you confident enough that you'd be the drummer on that? Absolutely not. Joe okay. Ber <laughs> Joe Bergamini is going to be the drummer. He knows it. I think I might've said this on Facebook. It's like, dude, you're it. Cause people are like, who should be the drummer on that show? And people are like Joe Bergamini, Joe Bergamini. So I've never seen him play. I just know he knows uh, Neil, and you know he's studied him. And he's he's like the the Rush God. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, Molly Crew musical. What would that be called? <laughs> It'd be called Girls, Doctor Girls, Fe Girls. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think girls, 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 Girls. Doctor Feelgood, no. Doctor yeah, Feelgood, Doctor Feelgood, the musical. And now you're talking. It could be about some kind of uh, you know doctor that you know heals people and. You know, it could be, I don't know. We should discuss this. Mm. Who do we talk to? We talk to Ty, and then are you going to be the drummer on it? Or is Sean McDaniel, because he loves oh, Molly Crew? I <laughs> defer to Sean. I think his resume is <laughs> like, I'd like to think I could play that one, but uh, no. Uh, then we could have the drummers, you know, be on the thing, and it could go <laughs> around. I'm telling you, man, we're here. We're, we're making money. Don't anybody <laughs> steal this idea, even though this is public? <laughs> 
<laughs> we got the rights. I just call. Hold on, I'm gonna call Tommy Lee. Tommy, Tommy. I wonder who. No, it is. You know what, you know what, here's a, here's a funny Tommy Lee thing though. This this is one of those like again, just so that everyone knows how small this community of like musicians are. So like Tommy Lee was definitely one of my drumming influences as a guy. Not that I could play like him, mm-hmm. but I just I loved watching him. I wish you know I wanted yeah, I loved Molly Cruz stuff. So, you know, and, and, I, and I'm like the, the most, up, like, I never had, this is the longest my hair's ever been in my life. I'm not like, no tattoos, no drinking and drugs. And like, you know, so it was never, I just, I don't know, just loved his style. So fast forward in college, I, uh, one of my uh, um, classmates, uh, his name is Steve Morrison. We, we, you know, we hit it off. Play, he actually played in that same senior recital with Matt Beck with me. He played some, some mallet stuff for me. He went on. <laughs> to become Tommy Lee's drum tech really? on the road and then went on to become Nate Morton's drum tech on the voice, the NBC show, the voice for years. Oh, wow. And I've stayed in touch with him, Steve. He goes by Steve-O now. And he, um, he builds um, snare drums now DTS. It's drum tech services or snare drums. And I had this, I have a custom snare drum backer that he made for me, but it's, again, it was like one of those times where I just went, man, this thing, this community is really small. Like someone I went to college with, became the tech, you know, the, the drum tech for like the drummer that I wanted to be one day. You know, so, cool. And, and, he, and he, Tommy has a drum made by Steve and I have a drum made by Steve. And that's just like, I feel, so oh, I remember what it was. He texted me one day, Steve, and he goes, look, you and I've been texting back and forth. And look, I, he screenshot his text messages. And it's like me texting him and Nate Morton and, and Tommy Lee. And I'm like, I'm on the same screen as these guys now. <laughs> like just that's, that's enough for me. Like that was, that was just so cool. But yeah, it's it it is strange how many. It's just a small community of of musicians out there doing stuff, which is so you know. Once you can get into it, and you can meet a few people. You know, you just have to be be someone that people like to work with, and just yes. don't turn people off with your attitude. Playing is one thing. A lot of your guys have said this on the podcast. Playing is one thing. Obviously, you got to be a good player. Your audit. You're never going to get called back if you're not a good player. But you also have to be someone that people can at least connect to, talk to, feel. Like, you know, we can have a conversation with. So, you know, I, I, I feel I'm a bit of an introvert. I'm not always the most best, you know, small talk person. But when I'm in those working situations, I want to I want to step out of my comfort zone and make people feel like, you know, you're not you don't have to feel uncomfortable with me. So that's another plus for people to do. <laughs> Speaking of gear, what kind of gear do, do you use and why? So uh, drum wise, I've had the same Pearl Export 1989 drums for however many years now, going over over 30 years now, right? Yeah. Wow. Um, and I mean, I think those drums are a lesson in know how to tune, know how to, you know, buy good quality heads. I use Remo. I've always been a fan of Remo. Finally going back to like just, you know, good old coded ambassador after going through all of them. I'm just, I'm back to like Remo coded ambassador. I think I've got some Aquarians on them right now, but I've used these on recording sessions. I've used them on, you know, professional shows and they sound awesome because, you know, I, I've learned over the, they didn't always sound awesome. I had to learn, I had to learn how to be a you know, better drum tuner and just to get things to have better overtones and just get good sound out of it. But uh, always been a fan of my, my Pearl drums. The other one behind me here is my only other drum set I have is a custom AOT drum set, which I bought in 1996, uh, actually for that Avita gig <laughs> on Canada was the first time I bought this drum set. I was like, I think I need to step up my AOTs now that I'm starting to do professional work. So the, the uh, uh, drum shop in Norwalk, Connecticut, where I live, Norwalk Music, 
was owned by a drummer <clears throat> and he was on the AI kick long before a lot of other people were. And he had like a ton of the sets sitting around there. And I just was like, I always like seeing like, well, no one knows what this is. I'd like to try something that people aren't familiar with. Like I sat down on that drum set and I was like, yep, I'll take them. <laughs> they were just, they were awesome. So, so uh, Pearl drums, AOT drums, uh, Zildjian uh, K cymbals have always been my go-to just for no other reason than they, I've, the drummer who I played with in middle school had Zildjian's. And so when I started by, I just bought Zildjian's too. So they've just always, they've, they've never let me down. I've played Peisty, I've played Sabian. I've just always come back to Zildjian's. I, I really enjoy them. Uh, Vic, Ver, Vic Firth sticks most of the time. Um, yeah, I mean, there's the thing is, I think with, with, there's a lot of good products. I don't think there's like, you know, one that we can say like, you know, oh, you have to use Pearl, you have to use Yamaha, you have to use, there's some, just, just find the one that fits the sound that you're looking for. What's the most difficult show that you've done and why? In the city, like Broadway or, or, or in general? In general. Both. <laughs> um, probably West Side Story. Mm. Because it was not in my wheelhouse stylistically with all of the Latin stuff. Um, and I actually, pl- I've played both books of that show. So the original show, like when you get the MTI one now, I think it's like a now, you know, printed score. But when I was, when the times that I've played it, it was back when it was still like the handwritten version of it. And it can be done with two percussionists if you know how to split it up correctly. And so there was a, a teacher colleague of mine, he and I have done the show a bunch of times together. But the first few times I did it, I played the percussion book. So it was all the timpani, xylophone, mallets, bongos, congos, you know, all that stuff. And it was, it was just like, whoa, that was, you know, not, it was, it was just, especially the, um, it's the song cool. It has like the, the, the canon section and there's like the vibe riff that the vibraphone riff that everyone plays in canon with each other. And it's just super, took me forever to learn that one. But it was like one of those pat myself on the back moments when I finally got it. Like, yeah. And then a few years later at Barrington stage, the, the theater I played with up in, in Massachusetts, we did, and I played the drum book to it. So again, just playing all that swing and Latin stuff was definitely, you know, I was a, an eighties rock kid. So that was always easier for me to do. So again, when, when I always feel accomplished when I can do something outside of my, out of my comfort zone. Um, in the city, I would definitely say that the current Jagged Little Pill um, is deceptively hard to play because we all know Alanis Morissette's music. 98% of the songs are in 4-4 time. Uh, but A, the way that Damien plays and the parts that he writes are super hard to learn. And when I watched him, I was like, yeah, okay. And I see it on paper. I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. And then the first time I sat down to try to play along with the track, I was like, oh man. Cause he, you know, he does, he, he's got his sort of his niche where he's got the djembe on the left hand and he may be doing like sweeping 16ths on the brushes on the surgeon, which is not something I do very often, but you know, I definitely am way better at it now because I had to learn it, you know? So doing that simultaneous, I remember he talked about like making it so that you were the, you were the loop and you were the drummer at the same time. That, that definitely difficult on top of the fact that you're also stopping and starting all of the click tracks. So the drummer is in charge of all of those. Uh, so you got two pads for that. There's a few little electronic things. He's got like electronics on, um, uh, one of the songs has like Indian tabla drums on it. And those are on there. There's like some chimes, whatever, not too much in electronics, but, and then there's a, a field drum for this one uh, protest piece that they do. So you got a little bit of, so his, that show has like a little bit of everything in a pop show like you know like there's not like a latin song or a jazz song but his feels sometimes 
there's a song Unsexy, that's one of Alanis' songs, that when you hear the original has does have a little a little swing to it, but the drums play very, you know, the eighths are the eighths are constant constant, but the the you know the sixteenths kind of swing it. And so he he puts a little bit of that shuffle in there and makes that song tricky to play. You know, it's, it's little things like that have made it oh I just love telling this story though. For anybody who wants to get in touch with Damien to sub Jagged Little Pill, just keep this one in mind. Since you don't get to see the show until you're playing it, like literally, you know, like you don't get to experience what these moving stages, whatever, and the lights and whatever. And that's all cool. And it is really cool to like see the house when you're all on stage. I was fine with all of that, but there's this moment. And I, I, I guess I just couldn't tell from watching the drum cam video. There's a moment after the actress who sings, you ought to know Lauren Patton. She tears down the house every night, standing ovation. You're waiting there for like three minutes to get ready to go on the next song. The, 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 they start the band riser starts sliding off and they start the song uninvited and you hit one of these like chords and it's just, you know, like everyone's making noise, you know, cacophony, just blah, 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 blah. And, and through that, you start a click track with your free hand and then we count into the song. But what I didn't know was that there's a complete blackout on stage at that point. So uh, my first show subbing it, that was definitely my, your friend said a two and a half hour heart attack. I had my like five second heart attack for, for real there. I, I hit the chord. And I, I cannot see, I cannot see the pad that I have to start this click track for. And I'm like, in my head, I'm going, oh boy, fired on the first gig. This is going to be great. Somehow I, I, I got it. Everything went off smoothly. You know, so another note to everyone is be prepared for the things you can't be prepared for. There will be something that you have to whatever. Yes, there so, will. so my second show back, I text Damien after and I go, I left you a present. And <laughs> I had put a, I put glow tape on that pad now just for myself so that when I'm covering it, when we go into that blackout, I'm just like, Oh, there's the pad. Perfect. I can start the click track. Yeah. That was definitely like a, a lost my, you know, like sense of self for a minute. Like, where am I? <laughs> what kind of projects are you working on right now? Doing the, some subbing for Damien in the fall, uh, doing the, uh, some rehearsals for Jagged Little Pill reopening. So that's kind of cool. Uh, uh, ACT is at the start of our fourth full season right now. So I'm contracting for them. Uh, we have Smokey Joe's opening in October. I'm not playing that one, uh, but I contracted and did the programming for that. <clears throat> and we have, um, we're also doing a, a, a brand new debut musical called Nickel Mines, um, which is about the Amish school shooting in, in, in Pennsylvania. It was supposed to have opened on, <laughs> it was supposed to open March whatever of 2020 and we, we had to can it. So we wanted to bring this company back to, to, do their, to do their premiere. So we have that one in January uh, that I'll be contracting for as well. And then we're also doing Jesus Christ Superstar in May. And then we're ending our season in, sorry, it's in March of 2022. Uh, we're ending our season with Rent, which is the show that I'm, credit me being in theater because of <laughs> so i'm playing that one i'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm contracting myself right now to be playing that <laughs> drum book on that one uh so i'll have that season to do um and then well all right so i can't i guess i shouldn't make a maybe we can do i don't know if anyone's interested in my playing but <laughs> maybe we can do a follow-up for your uh, for your um you know subscribers on your broadway drumming because I, I have two projects that are still in contract negotiations that I that have not been made a public press release yet so I can't really say anything right now but I will have a, I do I do have a cast recording coming out uh and I do have a show that will be streaming on one of the like Netflix Broadway HD things there 
So I'm finally getting to check those off my list of like being able to say like, you know, like when people say 50 years from now, I'm studying Clayton Craddock's playing on Tick, Tick, Boom so that I can play that show. There, there might be a show that someone might get to listen to me play 50 years from now, but I'll, I'll have to follow up with you on that when, when all the contracts are signed and all of that. So, yes, yeah, so I, do, I do have a couple of uh, recording projects as well that are that are coming out in the next year. But That's yeah, great. So, and still teaching, so keeping me busy. <laughs> now you teach where again? You teach middle school, I high teach school? In, I teach, get ready for this. I teach kindergarten through fourth grade general mm. music in Bethel, Connecticut. Uh, I've been at the same job since I graduated um, from WestCon in 1998. It was about, yeah, I graduated in May of 98 and I had the job in August of 98. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, general music is so like for those of you, you know, it's, you have your band classes, you have your orchestra classes, you have your, you know, choir classes, but in the, in the younger grades, you have the general music class, which is usually part of a, a specials rotation. You might have gym, you might have PE, you might have, um, art, media, library, computers, and music. So I'm, I'm the teacher that gets every student in the school. It's not an elective, it's a required course. Uh, and I see them from kindergarten through fourth grade, um, I use this really cool online uh, music curriculum called Quaver Music, which is um, uh, basically a curriculum that has everything you need for teaching. You know, it teaches music theory. It teaches performance. We use lots of rhythm instruments in my classroom. We do singing. And obviously, this past two years with the pandemic has caused a lot of issues in schools and virtual learning and trying to do things with masks. And we're, we're figuring it out. And things are, we're like, we're not back to normal, but, you know, we're still in my district anyway. We're still masking up and and... Uh, we still have to like space kids out, you know, a certain amount of distance and stuff. And it creates, creates some issues. But I think it's one of those things when people say to me, like, you know, how old are you? And I'm like, yeah, I'm 45. And it's like, yeah, Yo, you don't look 45. You don't act 45. I'm like, well, just try hanging around five to eight year olds for eight <laughs> hours a day. And you just, you have to find, you have to find like those, you know, moments in life that are like, let's not be too, you know, like, let's, let's look at things through those kids eyes every once in a while. And it kind of puts things into perspective for you sometimes. So I definitely, I definitely, that's why people always said to me like, well, you know, you have this career as a musician too. Like, why don't you go and pursue that? And I always say, this is just me. That, that side of my career has always been a very, I don't want to say selfish, but it's something I've, I've done for me, like, you know, playing and whatever. And I feel being a teacher is something I can do to inspire the next generation, right? It's something I can pass on more to other, you know, to other human beings, hopefully find a love of music and get, and it is great. And, you know, I've been teaching so long now that I have, I like I have colleagues who were students of mine, <laughs> like they've come back and become yeah, educators and, I was gonna ask and or they have kids. Yeah. And I, or I have, or I have kids of former students. Well, that's so weird, but, um, but it's so cool when they'll say to me like, Oh, Mr. Arcano, you know, I remember when we did this, you know, holiday concert or whatever it was, you know, or when we played the recorder or like whatever it was. And it's just like, that's just so cool that you like leave a lasting memory with someone and it's in music. You know what I mean? Like they're not going to remember taking their SATs. They're not going to remember doing their standardized testing, the stuff that we, that we say is important in education. They're going to remember those experiences that, that made an impact on them. And I'm, I'm always so happy to know that I can be a part of that for, for a child and when they become an adult. Well, you can retire now, right? No, nah, not yet. <sighs> <laughs> Not if I want that full pension. So is it 25 it, years? No, in Connecticut, they drain you. It's 30. The max you can go is 37 and a half years. I don't what? know why that half year. Yep. That's where you can receive your, your, your full pension. Uh, but once you've taught 15 years or more, 
you start grandfathering into a certain level of, of pension. So like for those of you who care, <laughs> uh, if I retired now, I could start collecting a pension when I'm 65, but it would only be at a 50% rate as opposed to if I go to, you know, 30 years, it would be at a 60% rate. And if I go to 35 years, it would be at a, you know, so that's why they max you at 37 and a half years. Basically they double the years. So 37 and a half years get you to a 75 and a half, um, a 75% pension rate, uh, in the state of Connecticut. So you're going to make it that long. I don't know. Uh, I like it. It's just, I don't know if it's the world's changing, but you know, it's, it's changed a lot. It's not the same job. It was, I mean, I guess nothing is the world is the same that it was 10, 15 years ago. So it's just, it's, it's a little more exhausting now than it ever used to be. Mm. Um, again, I'm older that that could be part of it too, but yeah, I mean, I do, I, like I said, I do like being able to inspire the next generation of musicians. I like being able to pass on my knowledge to, you know, of what, what I do have to, to, to share with children and try to get them, you know, I want to keep the arts alive and that has to happen somewhere. You know, so I, I like, I definitely like that part of it, but yeah, I mean, I haven't quit yet. So I, I feel like I'm probably just going to, I'm, I'm one of these like very, um, what term can I use? I mean, I'm a very, like, I'm a dedicated person. Like I just, when I, when I'm in just like, I've been at the same job, I've been married for 22 years. I just, I like to see things through. <laughs> I like to, you know, mm. I'm a dedicated person. So my career is just another one of those things where I'm like, yeah, I'm going to, and I, and again, knocking on wood, haven't had to do some of the corporate things or day jobs. Like, you know, I hear people talk about, so I'm just, it's just another way of, I never say to people, I'm a music teacher or I'm a drummer. I always say I'm a musician and that everything I do is connected to that. Like I, I, I'm a drummer in theater. That's part of my job as a musician. I am a public school music educator. That's my, it's a part of my job as a musician. You know, that's just how I've always looked at it. One last question. Where can people find you? Um, well, I'm on the musical theater drummers page on uh, Facebook. I, I often try to post some things there or answer questions for people. Uh, my YouTube channel, which I guess is whatever, you know, uh, Dennis J. Arcano, A-R-C-A-N-O. I've got a, uh, I think it's a pretty cool musical theater playlist there where I do some videos, you know, from ACT and my drum booth. Uh, I've actually got some Tick, Tick, Boom national tour footage on there. So people can check that out. It's a horrible, <laughs> it, it feels like it's like the Zapruder film from the sixties, <laughs> even though it was 2003. Cause back then those high eight cameras, whatever we had, you know, it's like super grainy or whatever. And all you can hear is like snare drum and hi-hat and singers. Like you can't really hear anything else. Cause it was like in the house, but um, I did a cover version of um, my favorite song from Jagged Little Pill, where I played the entire orchestration myself, sang the, sang the female lead part, which was, probably hilarious so if you want to check that out but uh yeah youtube is usually my place where i, I have a lot of uh some of my own personal work is there my my uh, solo album which was based on stephen uh stephen king's dark tower series series is up there i did sort of a concept prog rock thing uh cover songs that my wife and i have done are up there so yeah youtube is sort of my my jam for social media you have a website i do not ah interesting no. Never, never wanted one. No, never, never got into it. No. Okay. No. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I've been again. I've been lucky enough to keep a career going without that. And, you know, I guess for me, <laughs> this is going to sound self-deprecating. I guess I never thought I was like 
important enough to have a, but you know what I mean? Like, I don't like, like you're Clay, you're Clayton. You've done, you're like, you've got a Broadway career. You're like, so you got a website. That makes sense. People want to find out about Clay. You know, I've never felt that I, I, that, I don't know. Who knows? Who knows me? We're going to start one now after this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) You are now important. Actually, you've been important for, for many, many years. Oh, you're too kind, man. Important to the the kids that you've, you know, mentored and, you know, your family and people that you work with and, you have this regional theater uh, credentials, man. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm a very, I don't, I'm a very happy person. I'm a very fortunate person in my career. I, I think it's also just the hassle of technology sometimes for me. Like I it was cool it. enough getting a studio recording and learning how to do all this stuff and learn about audio engineering. And then I just go, Oh, a website. And I got to learn coding and, you know, web design and graphic. Mm. And I just, I just, I don't know. It never, it always seemed like too much for me. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. Well, Thank you, Dennis J. Arcano. J stands for Joseph. Joseph. All right. My grandfather's name. Yeah. Really. Well, thank you yeah. for being a part of this podcast. I, I, it's great to catch up with you and learn a lot more about you that I didn't know. I hear your backstory, and hopefully, your words of wisdom will inspire the next generation of Broadway musicians. Hopefully, I'll see you walking around Times Square one day. Uh, Yes, we definitely got to catch up. Yes, thank, I'm, I'm humbled and honored to have been a guest on your show, man. It's been really great talking with you too and hearing what all these drummers have to say and learning from each other. is That's what it's all about, man. Share the knowledge. So thanks for, for doing this. This is great. Thank you for listening to the Broadway Drumming 101 podcast. Head over to the Broadway Drumming 101 YouTube page where you'll find unedited conversations that I've had with some of your favorite musicians. On the YouTube page, you're going to find bonus content that I don't feature on my Instagram page or here on the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and click on that little bell at the top so that you'll be notified when a new video is uploaded. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for more.